I want to go to the scriptures. Today I'm going to be ministering from Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through verse 39. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 through verse 39. Today I'll be reading from the Amplified Version. That'll be on the screen. And you can follow along with your other translations. I'm asking you to stand for the reading of God's word. And this will be the last time I ask you to stand before we close. But remember the earlier days when after being spiritually enlightened, you patiently endured a great conflict of sufferings. Sometimes by being made a spectacle, publicly exposed to insults and distress, and sometimes by becoming companions with those who were so treated. For you showed sympathy and deep concern for those who were imprisoned, and you joyfully accepted the unjust seizure of your belongings and the confiscation of your property, conscious of the fact that you had better possession and a lasting one prepared for you in heaven. Do not therefore fling away, or King James Version says, cast away your fearless confidence, for it has a glorious and great reward. For you have need of patient endurance to bear up under the difficult circumstances without compromising, so that when you have carried out the will of God, you may receive and enjoy to the full what is promised. For yet in a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one, the one justified by faith, shall live by faith, respecting man's relationship to God and trusting him. And if he draws back, shrinking in fear, my soul has no delight in him. But our way is not that of those who shrink back to destruction. But we are of those who believe, relying on God through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. And by this confident faith, Press, preserve the soul and all of God's people said amen you can be seated in the presence of the Lord today I'm going to speak to you from the topic the results of making the right decision the results of making the right decision Jesus's ministry was around a fishing and agricultural community so, so many of his uh, messages and his sermons were filled with metaphors and illustrations that included terms and a vernacular of everyday Galilean culture. In other words, he preached and used reference points of things that people could relate to. And we do that today, sometimes a little too much, but <laughs> sometimes today we use references to pop culture when we're ministering, technology, social media, to drive home biblical ideas. And let, let's look at Jesus' audience. He was preaching to fishermen and farmers. They understood the process of making wine from a wine press. They could relate to the message concerning the yoke of oxen. Yeah. They, they understood agriculture. They understood planting seeds and reaping a harvest. And I believe this concept of sowing and reaping it's probably made reference to in our present church culture more than any other phrase or metaphor that Jesus used. We hear it all the time. Uh, sow your seed and reap your harvest. You can't get out what you don't put in. Huh? 
As long as the earth remains, there will always be seed time and, and harvest time. See, we know these. We make reference to this when it comes to giving our offerings, when it comes to giving our talents and our time. We make reference to this when it comes to how you treat people. Because we say, be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Sowing and reaping. But listen at this scripture in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9. Be not weary in well-doing, for in due season you will reap if you what? Faint not. Now the question is, why would someone get weary with this simple principle that we always use called sowing and reaping? Because if you sow a seed, you reap a harvest. So why would someone faint in that? Because there's a duration between those two points. There is an agricultural process that takes place between the seed planting and the harvest being reaped. It's called fertilizing. It's called irrigation. It's called tree wrapping. It's called, somebody shout, time. <laughs> Making the right decision is always right, but there are times it will feel wrong. I'm preaching today the results of making the right decision. Because we are a culture and a people of instant gratification. And if I do right, it will automatically be met with right or desired results. But what's the real result of making right decisions? Number one, fear. Fear. You make a right decision. Some of you came out of consecration and you made a right decision. You're going to live different. You made a right decision. You're walking a new path. You made a right decision. You left your job to start your own company. You made a right decision. You responded to the voice of God and you moved to a new city. You came to a new church. But as soon as you make that right decision, oftentimes it's met with, what did I just do? Fear will result in having second thoughts. Oh, I'm preaching today. Are you hearing me? Second thoughts. Fear will make you look back at what you walked away from. Because oftentimes, making the right decision for something means you actually made a decision against something else. Mm. I need you to look at the person beside you. Tell them, don't make decisions out of fear. Make decisions out of faith. Because many times we'll make a, a right decision towards God, right decision towards our destiny, but then fear will make us second guess it. Not faith. It's fear. You've got to know what you knew when you were sober. This is why we need community of accountability. Because when you heard God when you were sober, you need to tell everybody around you. So they can hold you to what you said. The Lord spoke to you when you were in your right mind because fear will make you make some rational decisions, uh, irrational decisions. Yeah, uh, fear. I, I want to tell you, number two, the result of fasting and praying. I want to talk about the result of fasting and praying. Are you ready? The result of fasting and praying is temptation. 
I just finished fasting and praying. Hallelujah. Show me some demons. <laughs> you finish fasting and praying, you don't have to look for demons. Now, I want to be clear with you and I want to remind you because many of us have a strong sin conscience. Even we who are saved and believers, oftentimes we're more sin conscious than we are righteous conscious. We're more conscious of our sins and what we don't do right. And we didn't pray enough. We didn't read our Bible enough. We didn't go to church enough. Instead of realizing that we are righteous in Christ Jesus. And what you focus on is what you strengthen. If you're always focusing on your weakness, instead of diminishing your weakness, you're going to expand your weakness. Mm. Focus on the Lord's strength in your life. Whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things of good report, think, think on these things. And I know that goes against your religious mindset because as soon as some of you go to pray, all of your prayers is consumed with you being in the center. Even in the humility of your condemnation. Lord, I'm not good enough. Lord, I'm weak. Lord, I'm messed up. Lord, I'm just a sinner. Lord, I'm struggling. Lord, instead of saying, Lord, you're wonderful. Lord, you're mighty. Lord, you're increased in power and strength. And I'm your righteousness in the earth. Because until you're convinced who you are in God, you'll never start living differently than what you're living right now. Oh, clap your hands real quick. Clap your hands real quick and let it settle in you. The result of fasting and praying is temptation. But I need to be clear with you and I want to be clear with you and I want you to get this. Temptation is not sin. Because automatically when many of us start feeling tempted, we start yielding because in our minds, the mere fact that we're tempted means we're already there. (laughs) The moment you start feeling the pull of temptation in your flesh, Many of us have a default in us. And because we've always went that way, we've always done that when we felt the urge and we, when we felt tugged on, we just give in. But I need you to look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, you're in a different place now. And you know you're in a different place because of temptation. <sighs> temptation is not sin. But after a time of fasting and praying, temptation is increased. But what you have to remember, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Y'all, y'all have to realize that the Lynchburg church is a little bit more diverse in culture than the D.C. church. <laughs> so the D.C. church, if I did like this, Andre Frazier would have said and so I got a little, huh? It's still there. I thought it was gone. It's still there. Woo! Temptation is not sin. After fasting and praying, you will feel an increase of temptation. And sometimes that feels like a contradiction. Because if I've been so much with God, why am I feeling such an increase of temptation? But what you have to remember is that you have all the answers to the questions that's on the test. You got it in your fasting. You received it in your time of prayer. Some of us in this room, we have test anxiety. A test get on the table. Oh my goodness. Hold on, hold on. You know this. 
you know how to respond. So just because you're feeling tempted, hallelujah, (laughs) don't mean you made the wrong decision. Increased temptation is a result of making the right decision. And then what else happens? What else is a result of making the right decision? Spiritual warfare. What? Spiritual warfare. What? Huh. You don't believe the devil is real? Get serious about God. No, no. Because if the devil is real, you're going to have to know God is real. <laughs> even, even the week of fasting. Some of you ain't, ain't never fasted before. Some of you, you don't fast. And uh, you wake up in the morning. You may grab you a cup of coffee, maybe. End up running late and grabbing your stuff, getting out of the house. Get to work. And sometimes you eat lunch. And some days you end up working through lunch. And your head may start hurting at some point. Like, Hold on. I haven't ate all day. But the day you say I'm going to fast on Wednesday. You wake up in the morning like. I wish I had some pancakes. Eggs and bacon. You don't even eat breakfast. Come and fix my clothes. I'm trying to figure out what y'all saying is going. Come on. Y'all got y'all giving me 10 signals and um what is it? Good. Well, Claw said something was wrong. Okay. All right, good. Thank you so much. Thank you, Elder Claw. For some reason, I'm gonna get after you for something. You was helping me. Spiritual warfare. From the moment you get up after you made right decisions. You'll say you'll see the signals begin to connect. Demonic signals, principalities will start working against you. And everything is not the devil, but you have to discern when it is. When there's a demonic system that's working against you, trying to derail you because you made the right decision. You know what first Peter chapter four and verse 12 says? You already know this, Amber. It says, beloved, think of not strange concerning what the fiery trial which is to try you as though what some strange thing push somebody tell them this ain't strange i tell you the devil been fighting me he's supposed to the devil been pulling on me he's supposed to listen what jesus says he says simon simon the devil desires to have you and sift you as we the devil ain't playing with you and this is why I want to tell some of us that keep going back and forth you better stay on over here you better stay you better make a decision about God and stay over here because everybody who leave don't get back the devil wants to sift you as wheat he want to bring you down to nothing but Jesus says I pray for you I pray for you that your faith wouldn't fail you you go through spiritual warfare. But I want to remind you, when we talk about spiritual warfare, some of you don't watch too many horror movies. I don't watch horror movies. Because I haven't seen enough horror in my own life. My mama like watching mafia movies and stuff. I don't like a bunch of shooting and killing. I need some, I like the cartoon up and I need Madagascar and 
with King Julian. I need something with color and <laughs> y'all still watching Stranger Things because y'all Stranger Things. We see a little Catholic priest holding a cross, you know, and somebody crawling up a wall. And I'm going to tell you, I'm not going to say none of that stuff is real. I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say that. Um, I could tell you some stories I've experienced in the ministry, domestically and internationally, to know that demonic possession is real. No, no, it's real. Uh, that's why I don't play with Ouija boards. Uh, mm, I'm not opening no portal in my house. Hey, glory be to God. I'm not going to no, no uh, root worker, no psychic talking to the dead. Because you'll end up conjuring up a familiar spirit that you can't shut the door on. I don't, I don't, I don't play with the enemy. I, I know this stuff is real. But for we who are believers, I said, for we who are believers, we are battling but a defeated foe. How do you fight somebody when you know you can win? You, you, you fight differently when you know you can win. And let me tell you something. Even though we're going through spiritual warfare, we're not on us. That Satan and God is not on the same level. He has no rival. He has no equal. Mm. He said, I am the Lord and besides me, there is no other. Right. So when we're fighting and we're in spiritual warfare, we don't supposed to be shocked by it. Right. And then sometime when it happens, you have to say, you know what? I must have tapped into something. Because <laughs> the devil wants me. And the mere fact that he wants me means he doesn't have me. If it's your testimony, if it's not, you sit this one out. But if it's your testimony, tell somebody, I'm in a different place. I'm in, I'm in a different place. And I know I'm in a different place because the enemy has been fighting me like he's never fought me before. I know I'm in a different place because I'm dealing with different challenges. Challenges I've never had to deal with before. I know, I, I know I'm in, tell your neighbor, I know I'm in a different place. And one reason why I know I'm in a different place is because I don't respond to situations the same way I used to respond. Hey, I need you to look at somebody and tell them I got another weapon in consecration. Mm, I got another weapon in, hey, I got another weapon in prayer. I came out with a sharpened sword. I came out with the sword of the Lord. I don't respond the same way. I don't deal with situations the same way. I made the right decision and I know I made the right decision because of spiritual warfare. Hallelujah. Because it will always be the enemy when you start having challenges in your marriage. Hmm, I wonder did I make the right decision? <laughs> as soon as you join a church, I wonder did I make a right decision? You move to a new place, I wonder did I make the right decision? Oh, I come to shut down the voice of the enemy for somebody. This ain't for everybody, but I'm talking to somebody who's been looking so I thought if I make the right decision, things would be easier. Scream at somebody, tell them, this is your sign. Fear comes. Hmm. Temptation comes. Spiritual warfare comes. When you make 
the right decision. Hallelujah. (laughs) And then the Bible says, if you don't faint, you'll reap a harvest. If you don't, if you can endure. I'm looking at this scripture today. What a powerful scripture. When you read this Hebrew text, we get a picture into the early church. We get a beautiful picture. Oh, it's a beautiful picture, Elder Corey. If Paul is the writer of this text, Paul is saying to them, "Mm, look how you've stood. Throw it into prison and still holding on to your faith. Look, look, they have insulted you publicly. They have humiliated you and you still held on to your faith without compromising. Then I read this one part, Nicole, and it kind of, I said, ooh, when it says, they confiscated your property unjustly. And you told them, take it. Because I got something better coming. And then he says to them, "Mm." he said, now, you need endurance. You need patience. Just so you can stand up under all of the pressure without compromising. Mm. Glory be to God. I I wanted to preach this message. Because when God brings us into a new season, whether some of you are making a commitment to the Lord, a fresh commitment to the Lord, I want to tell you to get ready for the ride of your life. I know this ain't the message I'm supposed to preach on a Sunday morning before I tell somebody, come on, don't you want to be saved? Uh, Come on, don't you want to join the church? Come for the ride of your life. And it's a good ride. But the mountain view is so beautiful because you're going to have to endure some ballast. Mm, glory be to God. Daytime will be so glamorous because you'll have to go through night seasons. There is a period between sowing seeds and reaping harvests. That means there are going to be times that you're going to pray for people and you're going to love them and they're not going to turn around immediately and say thank you. Hallelujah. That means you're going to have to forgive people. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Who don't turn around when they should be saying, will you forgive me? You you doing the right thing won't always produce the desired results. Glory be to God. I'm going to tell you to trust God and tithe. Every week when the Lord bless you, bring 10% of your earnings. Put it in an envelope and trust God with it. And you know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you he's going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. You know what I'm going to tell you? I'm going to tell you he's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you will not have room enough to receive. But I'm also going to tell you they're going to come some seasons of your life that you're going to have to sow it, put it in the ground and walk off from it. There are going to be moments in your life where helping people don't automatically mean somebody is going to help you. There are going to be seasons of your life where trusting God will make you look like a fool. And Paul says you, you need some endurance for this. You need some, uh, you need some endurance for it. 
because you're gonna you're gonna go you're gonna have to deal with the inter, the intertestamental period. You're gonna have to deal with the in between. <sighs> so you're gonna you're gonna need you're gonna need endurance for this. But he said, if you stick it out, the result of doing the right thing is a lasting harvest. I said a lasting harvest. Now, you can go back to doing what you used to do to make a couple of dollars. You're talking about that illegal stuff. And some of y'all want drugs. It was a relationship. That's illegal too. When you're doing it to get bills paid. Y'all not saying nothing in here. <laughs> I'm talking about I'm, I'm talking about cheating on your time sheet. I'm talking about clocking in and you're not even in the parking lot. Oh, y'all ain't got quiet on me here. <laughs> yeah. do, do it that way. It gives you instant, some kind of instant response. But my God, will you do it God's way? The old says, says he may not come when you want him. He's always right on time. I'll never forget. I used to pray and I'm closing now. I'm closing now. I used to pray. I prayed and I said, Lord, bless me. I'm going to tell you the day it happened. I was, I, was in, I was a student at Liberty and I was looking at television and it was the day that Oprah Winfrey came on TV and said, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car, you get a car. Now, I'm a little embarrassed about this, but when it happened, I got stirred up. And I said, Lord, hallelujah, bless me like that. And that's when I start saying and I start preaching. I says, one of these days, somebody going to need a car and I'm going to give them a car. Someday, somebody going to need a house and I'm going to give them a house. And I start claiming that. But the Lord blessed me with a, a nice car, the a car I always wanted. It was a Lexus GS300. I was a college student. I had a Lexus GS300 with TVs and tinted windows and rims. <laughs> and I, I still have my blessed Honda Accord. And I love my Honda Accord because Aunt Peggy co-signed for it. Huh, champagne. Well, I had two colors, but yeah. And so I said, I had, a, I got an extra car. And one day a man knocked on the door. He said, my neighbor, I said, yeah, man, what's up? He said, I see you got a new car. You know, 30-day tags tell everything. <laughs> I said, yeah, I got a new car. He said, he said, what you going to do with your old car? I said, um, I said, I ain't decided yet. He said, well, let me know if you want to sell it because my car broke down. Last week, and I've been catching rides to work with people, and um, you know, I got my wife and children, and, and it's just been hard. And he said, "So just let me know if you're gonna sell it." I said, "Okay, okay." And I said, "You know, because I could sell it and put it toward the payments, or I could sell it and get some new kind of rims because I did want the other rims, but I didn't have about it." So uh, the Lord spoke to me and said. Give it to him. And I was says, oh, I rebuked that. Oh, that can't be God. Oh, no. That can't be God. And I started struggling with that. Is God telling me? Is God telling me to give a car away? And I thought about it. Would the devil tell me? 
to give a car away. Mm. I struggle with it. Then I said, oh, you know what? Yeah, I am going to give it away. But I'm going to give it away to one of my family members. Because I got some family members that need a car. Or one of the church members. I don't even know this guy. Doesn't that make sense? God told me to give it to a stranger. Because if I would have gave it to a church member, I could take some glory for it. And every time they drive it, they say, oh, you got, yeah, I gave them the car. To God be the glory. And so all the way up until the moment I wanted to make the right decision And I was struggling with it There was tension I want to tell somebody in this room Don't lose the tension People who just make decisions with no tension Sometimes you scare me There ought to be You ought to You ought to seek to do what's right you ought to seek to discern what God's will is and it was all the way up to that moment and to that point man got to the door the next day he said did you uh, decide how much you're going to sell it for I said you can have it he said huh I said no you, you, you can have it he said are you, are you serious I said yeah you can have it it was one of them things like I got to do it right away I didn't even talk to Mother Younger about it because I know Mother Younger would say, hold on now, God gave you common sense now. I gave it away. And when I gave that car away, he cried. I almost cried too. But I, it felt good and the Lord reminded me of what I wrote in my prayer journal that you said you wanted to give a car away. But in my mind, when I gave a car away, it was because I had 10. But God is going to test you on this level. Push somebody, tell them, make the right decision. Make the right decision. God is testing you on this level. You better make the right decision because this decision is connected to something bigger. And I gave him that car. And months later, millions of dollars fell out of heaven on me because God responded. And that was the result. Jack, no, that's not how it happened. You know what happened? Months later, I'm in church on campus, worshiping God, singing. After all I've been through by Ty Trippett, I still have joy. And somebody came and says, come outside, come outside. I'm like, what is it? What is it? After all that, I, I still have joy. You need me? Okay, what is it? I went outside, they says, there's been an accident. Several cars have been hit. I said, oh, wow, that's Sam Gillespie's car. That's so-and-so. Oh, wow. Sam just got his car out. Man. I said, let me go inside and get these people. And I heard the fire chief says, whose Lexus is on this tree? Now, I know I'm not hooping today, but I'm preaching hard. I want you to hear what I'm saying. I turned around and I saw my Lexus sitting on a tree. Somebody hit it with an SUV and it was parked and knocked it across the parking lot up on a tree. Wow. Y'all know all them upgrades I told y'all about? It was a bad decision. Because when my car was totaled, all of the upgrades was more than the value of the car. 
So without a car, I still had a payment. And now I'm walking around looking dumb. See, some of you are too image conscious to get a miracle. This man is blind and Jesus spits on dirt and makes mud and puts it on his face and that's it walk in front of the people i need you to look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor i know what it feels like to walk around with mud on my face i know what it is to trust god and people think i'm crazy i know what it is to respond in pain and then i have to step back and wonder did i make the right had no car and I was a pastor of a church you know I mean we won't know great big church but we was a church I mean we was a good church didn't have no and you have to realize at that time the church wasn't in Lynchburg the church was in Hurt Virginia and if you don't know where, where that is Hurt Virginia H-U-R-T Amen. Can't get, don't have a way to get to church because I didn't give away my car. And now I'm sitting at home waiting for rides and I'm watching the guy drive past my house in my Honda Accord. I'm telling you, the enemy will start playing with your mind. You could be on the verge of one of the greatest seasons of your life and the enemy will start playing. Look at your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't dig up your seed. Don't dig it up. Let it be. Let it sit there and let God work on it. Let it sit there. Don't you dig it up. Just let water get on it. Hallelujah. Don't take it back. Don't take back your vow in God. Don't take back your vow. I made a vow to the Lord. And I won't take it back. Walking around. Pastor James Cam. Of, of a church here on uh, Taylor Street in Lynchburg. They have a church. I went to preach for them. And he said to me. He said young man. I want to be a blessing to you. I'm going to give you a copy machine. We don't use no more. And if you want it. It's an old van. He said, but it do drive. It's, uh, it's old and rusty, but it, it gets you. He says, it's, uh, it's out there in the parking lot. I give you the church van. And I remember, I remember tears coming in my eyes saying, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the, thank you for the van. We called it smoking choking. <laughs> for a reason. It was so loud. That if you were on the inside, you couldn't have a conversation. We just say, tell me later. Tell me when we get to the church. Didn't have no air condition. So we would stop halfway in Rustburg on the way to church to get ice cream and ice. Just so we could cool down and get to church. Mm. There was a season where sometime it wouldn't start. And so when we did get it started. We called it smoking, choking for a reason because sometimes we would choke out. And we would tell the students on campus that when we come around the circle, we're not going to stop. We're just going to slow down. 
be at the stop sign. Now, this is a real story. Trying to make it. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. So, you know, let me tell y'all what happened. It was a long season. It was an in-between. I sold that car. And that car represented more than something with four wheels. I gave up something. I gave up something. I'll never forget I was running around preaching and taking the money, bringing it back to pay the bills of the church because our church was mostly college students. I would give the little offering envelope when churches would give me cash with dimes, nickels, and pennies in it. And I would give it to Shanita Jackson. And I would give it to her and say, pay the church's light bill. She says, you got, any, you got any money to get something to eat? I said, don't worry about me. She would go in my envelope and give me a stipend out of what I gave her. She said, well, take $20 to put in your gas tank and $10 to get something to eat. I was sewing. I was sewing. I was sewing with a rusty church van. Yeah, and one day I came home and a, a couple of our church, the Lord had blessed them greatly. They started businesses and the Lord was promoting them. And they says, uh, Pastor, I was on a bishop. Come here, we, we want to give you something. Put, uh, said, look at this. And I, uh, they handed me a pack. He said, look at this car. And it was a silver Mercedes Benz. And I looked at them. I said, "Woo, this is nice. Go ahead, y'all. Look how the Lord is blessing y'all. They said, no, no, no. This ain't ours. It's yours. I said, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> amen. I can't afford. I know where I'm at right now. And I can't afford this payment. And I, you know, they said, no, there are no payments. Oh. The story to tell somebody uh, uh, the, the, the result uh, of making the right decision is warfare, it's fear, it's temptation, but ultimately it's victory. You can't outgive God. There comes a day where seeds you sowed a long time ago will come up and hit you on your heel. Will you get out of your seat and go tell three people, tell them it's coming full circle. It's coming full circle. Be not weary in well-doing. For in due season, you're going to reap. If you faint not, I know you've had a season where you've cried more than you've laughed. But the Bible declares, them that sow in tears, I said, them that sow in tears, you're going to reap in joy. Put your hand on your neighbor's shoulder and tell them you got a season that's about to change. Oh, your season is about to change. You've endured summer. You've endured fall. You've endured winter. And you've endured spring. But you got one more season. It's called due season. And everything that's due to you is coming to you. Find somebody. Tell them everything that's due to you. It's coming to you. God 
is not one that will forget your labor of love that's why I come with the message because somebody needs patience somebody needs endurance so Paul told me to tell you be ye steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord and know this that your labor said your labor I said your labor is not in vain you forgave them it's coming back to you you gave mercy it's coming back to you you sow seeds scream at somebody and tell them it's coming back is a result of making the right decision someone declared blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of the Lord and in that law does he meditate both day and night his leaves shall not wither and whatsoever whatsoever he doeth shall prosper shall prosper pull on somebody and tell him I made the right decision the devil tried to make me doubt it but I made the right decision the devil tried to make me second guess but I made the right decision I came over here to stay until I die I'm on the battlefield and I promised him I promised him that I would serve him till I die I'm on the battlefield for my Lord scream at somebody and tell them when you came to church today you made the right decision when 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 you decided to lift up your hands you made the right decision when you gave your tithe you made the right decision hey man scream at a brother say hey man when you came back home you made the right decision I decided to walk with Jesus I decided to stay with God pull on somebody tell them stay with him you may have to suffer but suffer with him you may have to cry but cry on his shoulders you may have to go through but it's better to go through than to be stuck do it with Jesus he said yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I fear no evil for thou are with me thy rod and thyself they comfort me and he said I'll do you better I'll prepare a table before you in the presence of your enemy I got one last announcement all the visitors you can get something in the lobby after church there's another announcement there's Bible study 6.30 on Wednesday but the very last announcement is no weapon 
you shall prosper. Scream at somebody, tell me he's covering my harvest. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going wrong by doing right. If you do right, right will follow you. Scream at somebody, tell him he's covering my harvest. He's covering my harvest. He's covering. He's covering my harvest. Somebody who feel like, hold on. I thought I made the right decision. This don't look right. Oh, keep going. Mikey, you here, Mikey? Come down here, Mikey, right quick. Come down here, Mikey. Oh, no, no, yes. Whoosh. Yeah, Mike, I got to tell you something. Tiff, you back there. I got to tell you something. I told the church Wednesday. You don't even realize what happened, Mike. Mike, you have no idea what happened. You don't know how God ordained it was. You know how God ordained. So, Mike, I travel all the time, so oftentimes I don't even drive my own car. And to be honest with you, Sometimes I'm embarrassed by driving my car to the point I'm going to tell you this story and I'm putting it out loud now so I can't hide. When the Lord first blessed me with that car, I hid it. I, I parked it behind the church and the other car says, why are you hiding your car? I said, it's too nice of a car and I don't want people. He says, they didn't, they didn't see you struggle. So... I know, I'm in this. I was like, leave me alone, Claude. You know, I'm doing it like I want to do. Well, so Mike, I'm going to tell you what happened. So that pastor, so pastor here from Grenada, from the island, and I wanted, he was getting ready to leave. So I told him, I said, let me take you around the city and show you the different places where the Ram Church has been. And I drove him around. And uh, I said, this is where we were. That's our old church. Then I took him to campus. And when I drove on Liberty's campus, Somebody took their phone out and took a picture of my car. And I kind of got embarrassed. I was like, oh, gosh. And then I'm taking the pastor. I said, hey, I'm going to take you to the hotel so you can get your luggage. And then I'm going to take you to the airport. So I pulled up to the Spring Hill Suites. And when I pulled up to the Spring Hill Suites, a woman went by my car and took her finger and went across the hood. And we looked and said, who does that? But it was tenant window, so she didn't know her husband said, somebody is in there. She said, oh, she's a nice car. And then, Mikey, that's when I met you. And you got out the car and said, I mean, when I tell you I connected with you, so Mikey got out the car and said, hey, man, roll around down the window. He said, that's a nice car. He said, let me take a picture of your car. I said, oh, gosh. And then Mikey said, what you do? I'm like, oh, no. I am not going to tell him I'm a preacher. I'm one of them TV preachers that's stealing everybody's money. I'm not going to tell him that. And I said, well, you know, I'm blessed and, you know, I believe in giving. And, he, and, and that's when Mikey said to me, he says, me and my wife have been talking about getting in church. <sighs> we need to do it for the family. I said, well, I told him, I said, I didn't tell no lies. I said, when I'm in town, I go over to the Ramp Church. 
Yeah, and I'll be honest, Michael was like, look, I'm black, my wife is white, so sometimes people I say, oh no. <laughs> Ramp church, you're gonna be good. <laughs> and Mikey came to church on Sunday. The whole family joined the church, and his three daughters got baptized. But this is a part that you don't know, Mikey. This is a part you don't know. When you and your wife left, oh, somehow, when you and your wife left, I looked at the pastor. I said, all right, go, go on inside so you can, I can take, get your luggage so I can take you to the airport. He says, this ain't my hotel. I'm staying at the Hampton Inn. God sent me to Spring Hill Suites. And God used the blessing to get somebody's attention. Don't you hide your harvest. Don't you hide your harvest. God is going to use your harvest to get somebody's attention. I need to hear the sound of those who suffered. Now you're about to reign. I need to hear the sound of those who struggle. Now you're about to strut in God. It was worth it. It was worth that journey of going from that church van to the car I got right now. What's the name of my car? It was worth a Maybach was worth meeting the Mikey. Hallelujah. I need you to tell your neighbor your blessing ain't even about you. God is about to bless you so you can be a blessing. He's about to increase. I want to know who in here did you know what it is to struggle and you say, God, if you bless me, I'm going to help somebody else. I know what it is. Oh, God. The Bible says man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God. I pray that you are blessed by the message today. And if you want to continue to get more inspirational, motivational, and even more gospel messages, I encourage you to follow our YouTube channel or subscribe to our podcast. And today we want to give you an opportunity to partner what we're doing domestically here at our local church and what we're doing all over the world. There are ways to give. And remember, when you sow, that seed may leave your hand, but it'll never leave your life. The Bible declares to us that when we sow, seeds are connected to harvest. Well, I want you to remember that I know what it feels like to cry until you have no more tears left to cry. But after you finish crying, don't stop. Get up and keep going.